When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things Podcast. This episode is titled, possibly a working title, but we like it, Our Website's Eternal. So this week, we're going to talk about something we've talked about in, on the show a bunch, but just sort of piecemeal, and that is the longevity of a website, meaning that you build a site, you put it up there, how long do you expect to get out of it, but what are all the considerations for that? Do you even care how long it's up? How much does it cost to constantly refresh websites? Do you renovate them? Do you tear them down? Do you start from scratch every time? So we're going to touch on all these things and compare them to what I'm calling kind of a blanket term as IT systems. So things like servers and all those type of things. And we'll get into that in the show. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And we're going to start with the problem. So what is the problem when it comes to the longevity of the site? And the problem really is the question. When you go to build a site, whether it's for yourself or for a client, the site is going to be different. What do I mean by that? Well, some are going to be niche sites, some are going to be blogs, some are going to be e-commerce. And so there's different levels of budget. There's different levels of uh, how much care, really, like how much care are people going to put into it? Are they going to go through it with a fine tooth comb and nitpick every single thing? Or are they going to, or are they going to, you know, want to set it and forget it? There's a whole bunch of different things here. Is it a hobbyist site that they don't have a lot of money for? And when you're making a website, from a technical perspective, you're effectively making something similar to an IT system. That's that blanket term that I mentioned before. And IT systems are effectively appliances that companies will use to do some sort of function. And usually it's some sort of crucial function like an email server or VPN, you know, like the communicative things that the office workers will use. And there's a bunch more of those. Those are just the kind of the beginning of that. So these systems are usually, you know, more form over function as they need to be available 24 seven, or at least during whatever the, the workers are working, they need to be easily maintained. That's to keep costs down. But also if something were to break, it needs to be quick to fix. And that lends itself to the next one here, which is quick to troubleshoot and repair. So if something goes wrong, you want to be able to quickly check a log or check something, figure out exactly what's wrong and replace that part or change that config file or repair that server or whatever you need to do. And also with that, easy to monitor. So maybe you have a bot or something that's constantly checking or pinging it or whatever to see if it's still up. And then if you're paid to monitor it, then you get an alert via email before the client, before your client reaches out and says, hey, there's something wrong. This bot will say, hey, there's something wrong. You can go in and fix it potentially before the client ever notices. So whenever a system fails to reach one of these requirements that I just listed out, it can spell trouble from whomever is maintaining it. So things like, oh, this is like a really, really, really complex system may result in, uh oh, this is supposed to be up for 24-7. It's super complex. How are we supposed to get it back up? This is down. What do we do? And now it's going to require maybe a specialist be called in uh, a lot of like a lot of uh, IT systems or a lot of um, technical companies or companies that use a lot of tech for their backbone or for their infrastructure will actually have contracts with, say, let's say they're using Cisco switches and routers. They'll have contracts with Cisco to have, say, 24-7 or within 12 hours or whatever it is, whatever is agreed upon contracts so that Cisco technicians can actually come in. And they know of all the version numbers. They have all the manuals on, oh, you know, you're on point zero and point zero has a small engineering bug. We're going to update it to point one and stuff like that because these systems are so complex. And so that's how the, that's how that overly complex nature is mitigated. But that's a lot of money. And so you don't want to, you only want to go as complex as you need versus just 
being overly complex for no reason. Because the more complex it is, the harder it's going to be to maintain. And then you're probably going to need those contracts and it's going to be really expensive. And then, of course, what what happens if, you know, some what happens if one of your systems is just way too much money? Well, it's going to be it's going to hurt your budget. That might hurt your staff, meaning that if you have IT personnel that's sitting around, you might have to lay one of them off. And now you want something that's complex and expensive up 24 seven. You have one less person there. It's not good, right? So most commonly systems. So most common systems that don't make the cut will be overly complex, like I mentioned, too expensive. But then there's another one here that's kind of more recent, and that is extremely proprietary, which is the rise really of the SaaS software as a service. And there's some systems out there that you can't monitor with your own software or with some sort of open source software. You must use their subscription software or they'll lock out certain parts of the OS or even lock out parts of the the hardware that's available based upon a subscription service or, oh, you know, you have a virtual machine uh, or you have a, a whole bunch of virtual machines running on this hypervisor, but this hypervisor has, you know, two processors. We have to, but we have to give you a different license because it's two processors. And so it, it starts becoming this really sort of proprietary, really kind of locked down system. And these systems generally do not make the cut for that form over function. So now when it comes to a website or a web app that is customer facing, there are a lot of similarities. Available 24-7 is almost always the case for a lot of sites. So that's one thing. Easy to maintain, right? This is one-to-one. Easy to maintain. Like you want to be able to go in there, press update, or do whatever you need to do quickly and easily. You don't want to be in there writing PHP code and having to write, you know, a new WordPress plugin every time you need to do an update. Like that's ridiculous. Quick to troubleshoot and fix. So you want logs, you want a debugging system, um, or you want it to be... You know, easily restorable from backup if something went wrong because the client did something incorrectly or you did something incorrectly, you can easily restore from backup. So quick to troubleshoot and fix. Again, one-to-one and easily monitor. Same thing because some web agencies will sell a monitoring package and they'll monitor if your site is up. But here's the difference here is that because websites and web apps are customer facing, the desire to go overly flashy with the design um, you, the, the desire to use tools that are fast, fast to use over function. So you just kind of run in there really quick and you start, you know, pulling levers and doing whatever. And then by the end of the day, you've now purchased like eight subscriptions from eight service providers and you've taped them all together into this monstrosity of a website because each one of these eight features was quick for you to do quick for you to set up. And that's a problem because now you have all these things taped together. What happens if one relies on the other or two of them rely on each other and then one of them goes out of business or one of them and it's this kind of this tangled web that you just did for the fastness or for the for the like the the quick setup, but you didn't look at the longevity at all. And then speaking about longevity, tools that have no longevity might be chosen. You might just go quickly pull something off the shelf because you're like, oh, you know, we got to get this up. We got to get this up. It's our new product. And then that new tool, whether it's a framework or whatever, gets discontinued quickly. There's a, there's a chance of that happening. Now, there is sort of a bit of a push and pull here, and that is that IT systems are typically boring. And boring things doesn't usually lend itself to customer sales in a lot of markets. Some some in some markets, maybe it will enterprise sales, some B2B, stuff like that. Maybe they don't care about the flashiness. But for a lot of different products, flashy is good, even in B2B. And so you have this push and pull, right, where you have maybe the marketing department that wants all these really nice flashy things and videos flying out everywhere. And you have the technical department going, whoa, 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 like we we can't transcode this video fast enough. We got too much of this and it's using too much disk space. And what is going on here? And they're trying to like make it boring, but they're trying to make it stable and usable and easy to maintain. Meanwhile, maybe the marketing department or like the the leadership in the, in the company is like, no, no, flashy, go, go, go fast, 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 fast. We don't care if it's easy to fix tomorrow. We want it up now, now, now. So with that being said, then the problem really is like a question. And that question is what type of longevity should you expect from your website? It's a good question. And honestly, I, I, I find myself thinking about this a lot more than I should. Um, because I just think back and be like, hey, websites that I've deployed five years ago, six years ago, they're still up, a lot of them. Like we have one H, uh, for Digital Dynasty Design that we haven't touched in, 
I don't know how long, seven years. I, I don't know. Maybe we've made some small adjustments here and there, but like we haven't touched that thing for a long time. Now that's running on HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. There's no framework there. It's, I think it was just an FTP kind of throw files on a server and that's it. Like it's, it's as simple as can be in terms of infrastructure. I, I how long do you think that website will run for? Another t- five years, 10 years? It's possible. I mean, we're looking at it's like HTML and CSS. And I mean, as long as we keep paying the bill, like it's almost more or less up to the hosting company and up to browsers that <laughs> will, I would assume, keep running HTML CSS. <laughs> yeah, like I I could see it running for 10 years and 15 years. And then and then you look and then just to sidetrack, then you look at a more complex application. Um that requires maybe a framework, React or something. Is that really and much like is that really that much different? Because at the end of the day, it is just running HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Like, are, are we expecting our sites to run for ten years without touching them? Is that is that a thing that is actually possible right now, or is that kind of out to lunch? Like initially coming into this, so just just to be clear, I was thinking if it runs for three years. Everything after that is golden. Like, I think three years is a reasonable amount to expect a site to run without maintenance. Um, you shouldn't, I, I, I want to repeat this. You shouldn't not maintain a website that's actively being used, especially if it hosts like a database or if it, if it has some sort of way to secure, like have a security exploit. That's where I think we'll get into it in the next, uh, segment here. But security is the big reason for you not to just leave a website alone. But if your website doesn't have any of that, I don't know now. Like, I'm thinking, like, 10 years is reasonable. Like, who cares? Like, it's it's just going to run. Th- that's the big question, right? And that's the push and pull where they're, people want you know, cutting-edge features or big features. And then the tech department, sometimes will just answer those, right? But if they're related to IT at all, I find, and, and uh, we, you you and I, Mike, have worked in IT, I always try to bring customers back and go, no, 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 you're not, you're not understanding you want this flashy slider and you want this thing to be super cool and whatever, but we don't know where this slider plugin has come from, or maybe it's very heavy on the server. People aren't looking at this, at this thing that much. Like you're putting 18 slides in, they're getting two in and then they're not looking at the rest of it because they're not sitting on the page. Like we have the analytics of how long people are sitting on the page. They're not sitting on it longer than how long the slide goes or even as long as the slider goes on autoplay. So you're, you're not reaching that many people with it. And we don't know the longevity of this plugin and it's, you know, kind of messy that way. Right. Um, and so like, but my point is, is that we try to bring them back down. It's like, no, stop. Like you build to what you need. And then if you know that you're going to need something else in the future, yes, make it scalable or future proof it to an extent, which we will touch on more later in the episode. Absolutely, because that's a part of the vision that is, you know, all but confirmed, if not actually confirmed, right? Because anything can happen. There's a reason why I say that. Nothing's written in stone. But the thing is, is that what 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 customers try to do is they just want this flash, this fast, flashy, go, 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 go. And I've actually seen it even on Webflow, where people go in, they 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 see a template, they think, oh, this is great. Oh, it's a visual builder. I'll just build with it. Webflow has quite a learning curve, so they just go in there and they just start making things work you know, making it so that it looks good, but they, they don't label their classes. Things are all over the place. There's duplicate IDs, uh, you know, animations have like a little false start, like a little hiccup because they haven't set it up correctly and things like that. And they don't notice these things, but then, you know, it's, it's all messed up. And, you know, speaking of longevity, it's like, sure, like maybe that those inefficiencies aren't really going to hurt you in something like Webflow. Like maybe it'll hurt your page speed score, but it's not going to take your your site down. But the biggest problem is, is that we have, we have um, websites out there, like WordPress is a prime example of this, where if a client goes in and just starts adding plugins, WordPress sites can very easily become bloated, very easily become, if not corrupted, near corrupted, to the point where it's like, hey, we have to we have to stop and restart this. You know, like we have to. And so I always tell people, like, let's not clutter everything. Let's start small because the passion for the project is now. You're, you're, you're talking about the project. You want to pay for it. There's the budget there. 
But when I put it together, are you going to care about it in like three weeks down the line? Some people, yes. Some people, no. But if you do care, I'm not saying that this is the end of the road. What I'm saying is we've started with a simple. And when I say simple, I don't necessarily mean HTML and CSS and JS. When I say simple, I mean simple, which is to the point of your needs. Meaning it might be literally complex, but it's simple for you in your context. Make it as simple as you can. And then we can add on to it because the amount of clients that we've had that are like, Hey, I want a chat bot. Okay, cool. Do you want an AI one or do you want a person? I don't like that AI stuff. I want a person. Okay. Who's manning it and what hours? What do you mean? Well, someone has to sit here and man it. I'm not going to do that. I don't know anything about your business. I'm going to run your chat bot for eight hours a day. Who's going to run this chat bot? Which one of your staff are going to run this chat bot? And then they go, Oh, well, I mean, I didn't really think of that. It's like, yeah. And then I would have installed a chat bot for what reason? Right. You're, you might get errors. Like you might get errors. You might get, you know, problems with it. Everything that you add, you might have problems with. Right. And you know, you don't want to, you don't want to run things assuming everything's going to have a problem, but you should keep that in mind that anything and everything that you add could create a problem. And so don't add it if you're not going to use it. It just doesn't make sense. And that's a really difficult thing for a lot of clients to take into account. Yeah. Everything is all about speed and like, let's get this done. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. And then as soon as you get it done, you go back and you're like, well, what have I built? And what ends up happening, what ends up happening is you build chaos sometimes. And on one hand, like I get it, you know, like if you need to get that website up or that e-commerce store up to sell product and every day is you're losing potential cost of $10,000. I don't know. That's a crazy number, but still like it could be, uh, then it kind of makes sense. You just do it as quickly as possible. And then you rebuild as soon as it's done without the, the, you know, the craziness of having to do it, uh, like having something up. But it's, uh, a lot of times it doesn't happen that way where the, they'll just go in and continue to add on and add on and add on. And like e-commerce is a perfect example of this because I've worked on an e-commerce site, a complex e-commerce site, and it lasted for probably like two years until it just started going down nonstop. It had a, it was a headless site. It had a Nux.js as the front end or just Vue.js. I can't even remember if we used Nuxt or not. I think Nuxt. And then it had uh, a Magento backend, right? So it had like this kind of separated out front end and back end. And the Magento just kept going down and down and down. And we were looking at it. There's like 15 custom plugins in there. Yeah, not, some of them don't work anymore. This version of PHP, that version of PHP, like it was a nightmare to maintain. I can confidently say that it was an absolute nightmare where there was multiple war rooms a week where we would be sitting there and panicking because every day that it go, it's down or every hour that it's down was a real amount of money that we were calculating. So this was chaos. And yeah, it was because this was over-engineered. Like they had great, they had a great intention initially. And the setup was good. But what ends up happening with these larger companies or even smaller companies, they're like, well, we need this plugin for analytics. Oh, we need this plugin to track our CRM. Well, we need this plugin to add in the shipping. Well, we need this plugin to add in uh, another marketing agency wants to track our stuff. We just hired a marketing agency. They use their own plugin here, get their plugin working alongside these other plugins. And then we need to also have this analytics platform and this analytics. Like it was, I, I kid you not. There was about 160 scripts that were loading on each page when I came in. Like it was, it was chaos. And it was because of what Matt's saying. Like it's just, everyone's just going at it willy nilly. And they're not questioning every decision. Like they should be questioning it. Like how long do you want this to last? Everything that you're adding is lowering the chances of it lasting that long. This is a classic argument with cars, honestly. And I know I always bring up cars, but this is something I hear about all the time where it's like, how long do you expect a computer to last? Oh, you know, five to 10. It's like, cool. Well, do you want to drive your car for more than 10 years? Sure. Well, a modern car is a computer. So, I mean, is there going to be problems? There's glitches with cars where and it and they're no longer glitches like mechanically with little engineering problems or a sensor that gets dirty. It's there are mechanical problems with cars where like, oh, push button start. Oh, that's so fantastic. I don't have to twist my wrist slightly. Well, great. That's a more complex system. Because there's a wireless fob 
Oh, the, the wireless fob thing died. Oh, great. So now what do we do? Well, you got to rip out the key. Then you got to go to the dealer. You got to pay $350 for a fob. It's like, yeah, this is a complex thing because what if the, the dealer doesn't just have fobs that work on all their cars behind the counter and they just hand them out? They have to make it work for your car or else everyone else is going to be able to just turn on your car. Anyone who gets a hand on one of them fobs is just going to go through a parking lot, find a light car and just take it. So like this is you see the complexity that we're adding just to have like, I mean, in my opinion, stupid push button start. It, it just, you know, it, and that is an example of a website system. And we've had we've had conversations with clients in the past, too, where they've they've talked about like a business level altering change that they've wanted to do. Like they've always been B2B and they want to go consumer. And I say, OK. So what do you like want from us? And it's like, okay, well, I want you to like spin up our e-commerce. It's like, okay, I mean, I can do that, but you know, let's just say they're a huge brand or maybe they're small brands. Like, Hey, you're a small brand. Maybe we can just do this on, you know, WooCommerce or something like that. Or maybe if you like Webflow, we can do like a Webflow e-commerce. But if you're bigger, yes, WooCommerce can do it and yada, yada. But due to the logistics, maybe we should look at Shopify. Like keep, do keep that in mind that these guys do e-commerce 24 seven, right? And a lot of people go like, I want custom, I want custom. And it's like, okay, but do you realize I'm like, I'm going to let me, let me lay out a situation for you. You make a thousand dollars every hour. The site goes down on Saturday and you don't pay me to monitor it Saturday. So I'm not there Saturday. Is it okay if it goes down Friday night after I've left and then I check it on Sunday or even Monday morning? Is that okay? No, I want you available all the times. Okay. We have to have a payment structure. Oh, I'm not going to pay you to do nothing. I'm not doing nothing staying available for you. I'm not doing activities that would take me away from internet connection or a laptop. So I need you to pay me for that. You have, you clearly value it because you're thinking about it, but you kind of don't value it because you don't want to pay me for it. So what's the situation here? And then also, if I go in there to try to fix it, how long do you want me on average? Cause it's unpredictable, but how how long do you want me to take to fix it? Oh, I want it fixed in under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if we have 150 WordPress plugins, that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. I'll tell you right now. It's going to take 10 minutes to figure out which ones are crucial and which ones aren't. So, you know, where are we at? Because even if I get the site, let's say, working again, I'm going to have to do, do some testing. And if there's 150, 150 e-commerce features, we have a serious problem. And, and we had a problem with a client a couple of years ago where – uh, they work with a Canadian handler and a Canadian credit card handler. And basically, um, when they worked with them, the, the actual handler was having trouble processing specifically MasterCards and visas. When I called them, they said, there's currently no incidents. I said, well, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but we've installed this. We've installed your plugin. All I have is a few, um, fields to fill in. You know, there's not really much else, like short of firewalls and stuff. So I'm like, can you check and make sure you have access to our site? Because like, I don't really know what to say. They're like, yeah, everything's green. I'm like, well, everything's green on my side. And then uh, one of the developers that was working with us at the time went and uh, you could use like these little test cards on their site. And we used a test card from a different person. We're like, hey, it's working because it's working on every single credit card that we've tested minus the MasterCard and the Visa. And then three weeks later, because I did convince them to escalate it, three weeks later, we were contacted by them and they said, oh, yeah, like MasterCard and Visa was broken. We fixed it. And we were in the dark for three weeks. And so I tried to convince our client. I said, OK, this is this is a teachable moment. You have a single payment handling vendor. Now, you're not doing big e-commerce sales. But if you care about those lost sales during this time, do you agree with me that we should have a second handler where maybe we'll go through like a PayPal and this other handler as an option? Even if we don't keep the PayPal turned on, then if this handler gets some trouble, we can turn on PayPal and they disagreed. And it's like, fair enough, I guess, but this might happen again. And then, and this particular client didn't say this to me, but we, you will get clients that will say that's unacceptable. Cool. I don't know what to tell you. Call the credit card handler because it's not up to us. And this is an example of, you know, you're putting all your eggs in one basket and I'm actually telling you, let's add some complexity by adding the PayPal, but it's for a reason. It was a thought out reason, right? And the pro- and one of the major problems is, is this particular credit card handler was three, was two, excuse me, through three plugins. So now it's like, 
well, look at all the moving parts, the handler, plug in one, plug in two, plug in three. And I tried to work with the the developer of one of the plugins and they were sending me beta versions trying to figure out what was going on because they had people complaining and ended up being the actual handler. And so this is an example of when you add complexity, you have to question it. Should we add another handler? I think we should. Hey, this handler that we're working with isn't really reporting to us very well. We're also having trouble with them. Like we're having, we're having trouble with their plugins. Like there's three layers of plugins here. Is that okay? I don't really know if it is okay. Right. And so there needs to be that conversation. Now, this next section of the show, I want to talk about considerations. We already talked to the, talked about a bunch of them. So I'll kind of graze over some of them and then we'll talk about the, the ones we have in, in detail. So. The first thing here is that you have to pay a developer and a designer, whether they're in-house or whether they're not, you have to pay them, period. So a developer, what are they paid for? Well, they build the designer's vision. Usually the designer will provide a wireframe and or a prototype and or a graphic and the developer makes it work. Okay, fair enough. And I'm oversimplifying to be clear. Yes, I know there's more to these. They set up and maintain technical systems. So they need to set things up and maintain them. If you do something that's super complex, the setup and the maintenance is going to cost more, probably going to maybe even need a more senior member of staff. That's going to cost you even more. And then there might even be more licenses involved. It's going to cost you even more. They also need to monitor and fix problems, which we already talked about, which is, is there only a proprietary monitoring software available? And then you're at the mercy of whomever uh, sells that SaaS. Is that where we're at? Right. Where are we at with that? Uh, do you need another whole server to monitor it? That's another piece of hardware because you can't have one server run everything, including the monitoring software effectively, because what if the whole actual server goes down? Now the actual monitoring software goes down too. So like, do we need two pieces of hardware? I mean, probably. And then designers, they create layouts based on the requirements and modern trends. So if you're constantly changing with the trends, you're constantly paying a designer. You're constantly getting them to make new designs and new layouts. Also, trends change over time. So if if you want to stay on the cutting edge, you're going to have to, you know, quite quickly, like let's say once a year even, new design, new design, new design, new design, new design. And then they also need to, by association, make, if you haven't started, or at the very least maintain your brand identity. So now you need to maintain your brand identity among the cutting edge. And you see how the complexity is stacking up here. And then complexity threatens the longevity. And of course, because you're paying a designer and a developer, budgets come into question. You have a serious problem now because budgets, your budget needs to be maintained or respected, I suppose you should say. And so you might say, oh, I would just love it to have this crazy like proxy server system for content manipulation based upon location and you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, you, then the developer goes, okay. 25k and I need 3k a month to maintain it. And it's like, oh, like, why would we, why would we do that? And it's like, stop thinking in the complexity and how cool it would be and start thinking about if you had, if you had something in your hands already, if you already had a site, like if somebody made you just a modern site, here's a modern site with the current trends that match your brand identity. And you already had that. Would you be calling this developer up for, for this new proxy system? If you wouldn't be calling this developer up, maybe all you need is that modern website. Maybe that is good enough. That is good enough for your business. And you're, you're thinking in superfluous terms, trying to raise the, raise the coolness, which is in term not respecting the longevity. Future proofing is something that also needs to be considered. And we did talk about that. Now, a new, uh, a new website, you know, or excuse me, do you need a new website every single time you go to refresh? Or do you just want to renovate? So in that case, it's like, okay, do we build a really maintainable and respectable amount of plugin filled WordPress? And we keep it maintained, we keep it updated. And then when we want a new refresh, do we just download a new theme, do some testing, and that's it? And now you're all your data is there? Or every single time are you going, oh, go Webflow this time? No, we'll go WordPress. Now we'll go Wix. Now we'll go custom. Now we'll go, 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 go disaster. Like, that's, this is like future proofing is something that you need to consider. And there's other future, future proofing steps. Yes, I understand scalability. Those type of things need to be considered. But for the sake of this audio show, I'm not going to talk about each one of these things for 15 minutes. Old systems. Old systems work, but they look boring. 
So that needs to be a consideration, which is almost like a counterintuitive point to what I've just been saying. But here's that push and pull right in the flesh, basically. If you don't update frequently, are you going to look dated in your niche? Are your competitors always cutting edge design? And are you going to suffer for that? If so, one of the complexities that you need is cutting edge design and cutting edge development. That's what you need. Choose your complexities because there will more than likely be some. Does your platform of choice get updates? And to what extent? This is something Mike talked about. Does it get security patches? Does it get feature patches? Does it get both? And how frequently? WordPress, for example, will get security patches for some of their older versions. Like you'll have older WordPress sites that haven't been bumped up from, this is just made up numbers, but say bumped up from like version one to two, but version one will still get, you know, some security patches. It'll still get some maintenance packages and those type of things. It's the same with Android. Like Android has a version that'll go from like, you know, 11 to 12 to 13, but then like 11 can have like, you know, March 2020 security, April 2020 security. Like there's a, there's kind of like a tiered thing. So like, does your platform of choice, if you're using, if you are indeed using a platform, what are the updates like? Do they exist? Is this thing still supported? Is it alive? Did you just use it because it was super convenient? And then you find out, uh oh, this was actually designed for Windows Vista. And now we got a problem because we got a big old security hole or it's starting to run like garbage on modern hardware. And also, you need to take into consideration taking risks. More specifically, taking risks with new tools, for example, frameworks. I know that there's always like, there's kind of the meme out there that where people say, oh, you know, there's always a new JavaScript you know, flavor of the week, meaning framework, right? There's another framework, another framework, another framework, another tool, another thing that we all need to learn and that we don't hear about it again for in, you know, in four months or two months or whatever it is, right? So using these frameworks, these tools, these plugins, whatever you want to call them, can give you cutting edge features, yes. They can also give you cutting edge methodologies, things that would be really, really fast, like adding generative AI really quickly is a brand new thing in the market. And using a tool that can add generative AI is great. But are any of these tools mature? Not possible because generative AI is new. So there's a risk there. But if you need generative AI, this is where you need to balance it and choose, okay, hang on. We don't want to add six generative AI plugins. Because we don't know what any of them are like. None of them are like as old as WordPress and as tried and true as WordPress. We, we don't have that yet. It doesn't exist. But we can add one because we need it. Maybe two. And we'll, we'll, you know, see. And if one dies, we only have one to replace. You don't have 18 or like 12 of them or something where they're all relying on each other. And it's this big house of cards that comes crashing down. I think... I just want to kind of emphasize a little bit more on the security side of things as well. Like if you're going with a host, let's say that is known for not updating their servers. Let's say you're going with a local, a local provider uh, that updates their servers once every two years. I don't know if those exist. Don't quote me on that, but maybe they do. That really should make you stop and think about your decision. If you're making a business card website that has no moving parts, no database connections, whatever, put it on anything. It does not matter. You're not probably not going to be hurting anyone's security. If you're thinking about storing customer data, this it, it changes completely, right? As soon as you're thinking about storing any sort of customer data, you need to start thinking about security seriously. You need to look for providers, either database providers, backend providers that are updating very frequently. You need to look at their terms of service. You need to check what they're doing, how they're updating. You need to look at their reviews, you know, search Reddit, that, that provider and see if there's any scandals, anything, because this is on you now for making the decision. And if you're making the decision to store customer data and you're using the wrong provider, it's on you, not the provider. It's still going to be on you because the customer does not care what provider you're using. The customer is going to directly relay it to you. So when you're making all of these choices, have security in mind. I think we've really started to push the envelope on, you know, building too fast, breaking things quickly. And if we look at every major company, everyone has data leaks everywhere. Like, I just want to stop that. I think, I feel like that's just getting, it's getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand. And I think, we can take actionable steps to stop it. One of those steps is just slow down a little bit 
when it comes to things like customer data, do your research, figure out a provider that will actually take ownership and actually do the updates that it needs to do. And then, you know, choose all your plugins if you're choosing plugins accordingly in the same kind of manner. One thing I do notice, like 100%, like I'm with you, Mike, is that like a lot of times places don't update their security because they don't they don't think it's important because it's invisible. A lot of the times the security is invisible to them. It's not as in their face as like their antivirus on their computer, let's say. And even those these days aren't as in your face anymore. And so they think, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. Like we, we've we've built people WordPress sites. And then we say to them, hey, you know, we do recommend that you, you know, either get a maintenance package or you call us every once in a while and get us to take a look. Uh, a lot of these times, a lot of the times there's no customer data on these particular sites. They're pretty small. So it's not like the end of the world, but it's still like you don't want your site hacked. Like why? You know, and they'll just refuse it. They'll be like, yeah, well, you know, we'll call you if we think about it. And then they just leave it. And it's like maybe that site runs for 10 years and then it all of a sudden will even five years, three years, whatever. And then they get hacked or it gets broken into or it just breaks and then they get all upset about it. And it's like those re- like there's a reason why. Some of these, some of these data breaches happen. I don't think we're not going to be able to stop it. You know, there's always going to be new holes that are, that are come up and stuff like this. Um, but like the, some of this stuff really is, you can mitigate it, right? Um, uh, I mean, a common one that isn't even really technical is training people against social engineering where like just recently, like my mom recently just got a text message that said, you know, oh, Canada Post has the wrong address for you. And so she's like, well, how are they going to deliver our mail? And I was like, let's think this through. Why are they randomly texting you for your address? Who are you to them? You're a phone number. Who are you to them? That's a fake. That's a fake thing to get your number. And then they'll probably ask for your name right after. And then they might ask you for something else right after. Right. You don't know. You don't another piece of information. And so social engineering, things like that and many others and just keeping patches up. I understand is difficult. Like. I understand it's difficult and it is not very cost effective and stuff like that, but it would help. Definitely would help. So I know we've kind of like talked about this and maybe we've even complained a bit and like pointed out all the problems. Well, what are the solutions here? A lot of this is the push and pull. And so a lot of these solutions I'm kind of saying are going to be general. And so you might think, ah, but that, that won't work for me. It's like, it's a good thing you identified that. How will it work for you or what can you do to make it work for you or what other method do you want to use? First one here is research. Research tools that have been tried and true through the ages for a cost-effective solution that is still relevant today. Controversially, I'll say WordPress. I know you're going to be like, WordPress has a whole bunch of like security problems and blah, blah, blah. You're right. But WordPress also has a lot of updates that are rather frequent. And WordPress has also been around for a long time. They also have a lot of support, meaning plugins are being made for them all the time. There are companies that are built on just building products for WordPress. So instead of you going to like Matt's CMS or something that I built and then forgot about because I was busy that week and then didn't patch anything, WordPress is a more tried and true solution through the ages than Matt's CMS. It's not a real thing, but Matt's CMS, right? It's totally made up. And so there is a risk in here, though, and the risk is that you may start to look a little samey, may start looking a little bit like everyone else. There's ways to mitigate that, of course, using page builders, using different themes and stuff like that. But out of the box, you might look a little bit like everybody else. People might identify you as a WordPress blog right away, those type of things. And so it's something to consider. A little bit of that push and pull. Tried and true, but it might be a little samey. Is there a way around it? Oh, there is. Moving on. Keep things modular where you can. I think this one's crucial for your budget. It's crucial for crucial, excuse me, for future proofing. It's also crucial for backups. Is your content exportable into a friendly format such as a CSV, meaning that it can be exported, saved somewhere, and then imported into another CMS of some sort, or at the very least taken from that CSV, converted into something else? Like, can it be manipulatable? Is it easy to to address? It's not in some proprietary format for that that uh for that CMS. I'll give you an example. If you were to say, go with Webflow and you have a CMS and you have all your blog posts. So your blog posts, let's just make it simple. You have your title, your slug, and your content. Title, slug, content. Easy. Okay, great. You write and write and write and write and write for years. You have over a thousand articles now. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, what are you going to do about that if uh, Webflow decides... Hey, we're going to change, you know, we don't, we're going to change something and uh, you disagree with that and you want to leave Webflow. Are you going to rewrite a thousand articles? 
Well, no, you're going to export it. And Webflow does offer an export option, right? But it's not exporting it into a Webflow format. As far as I know, it's exporting it into some sort of CSV or something like that. It's into something where you can, there's an import export system, right? So you can export it and pump it into somewhere else. You don't want it to, you don't want to ex- export it into Webflow format that only Webflow understands and nothing else gets. And, you know, it's a big mess. This is a future proofing method because even though you might, you know, be all about longevity and you're like, I'm sticking with WordPress forever, but then maybe your business takes a turn and it becomes more of an in-person business than online and you don't want to do the WordPress maintenance anymore. You might go no code at that point because you want them to do the maintenance. Fantastic. That's a great identification. But how do you move that content over? You can export from WordPress and import into Webflow because because Webflow has a friendly import feature and WordPress has the ability to export. Uh, I don't know if it can do that with, with vanilla, but there's plugins that will certainly do it for you. And so there's a solution there. Also, if you're more on the administration side, like you're actually setting up the web server side, so this can be a little niche for probably our audience here, but so I'll just touch on it. But LTS versions of software, such as like Ubuntu Server LTS, those are long-term, those are long-term support solutions. And those are, and they'll literally say like, this is going to be supported with, you know, maintenance or security or whatever until March of 2027. And so you can then plan ahead and go, okay, you know, March, we got to have something else. So by January, I would like our beta tests of the new Ubuntu LTS. And then we can roll that out in March or even February if we're trying to be a little ahead of the game. That's what we would like to do. And that's kind of my piece on that. I don't want to bore anyone here because I don't think there's many server admins in our in our audience. And the last thing here, disposable tech. So if you want to build stuff that's disposable, if you're a person that moves really fast, I know a lot of entrepreneurial types like to do this, where they just go, 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 go fast, 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 go, 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 go. And nothing seems to stop them. Like they have a new car each week somehow, but they have also no money, but they also bought a new place. And I don't know, like there's some people that just go like this and they'll go like this with their tech as well. They'll have a new phone each week. They'll have a new website each week. They'll do this ever. With disposable tech, you have the benefit of it being quick to set up. What do I mean by disposable? I'm not saying it's garbage. I'm saying disposable to you. So you might say, I don't know anything about no code, but I'm going to go with Wix. You go with Wix. You're like, okay, site looks okay. Week later, you get that impulse and you're like, I absolutely despise this editor. I am leaving and I'm going to work. I'm going to Webflow. Well, maybe you might need that import export feature, like I just said, for your content. But also you're disposing at this point of your Wix Wix site and you are going to Webflow. And then you might be on Webflow and then be like, man, I just can't get around these collections. I don't know what a CMS collection is. I'm sick of it. I'm going to WordPress. I'm more of a blog. I'm going to WordPress. And so you go do that. And so this is something that you need to consider with disposable tech like this is it should be quick to set up. It should be relatively affordable, meaning that you don't, you don't have to buy it. You know, it's not thousands of thousands of dollars, but it also you can maybe pay per month rather than per year because you're probably not going to stick around for a year. And then also, and then also you need to be aware of your budget. Now, I know I just said, hey, these things need to be budget friendly. Sure. But there is a budget friendly solution in staying someplace. Usually buying it for that year is what gives you the discount. So you need to include in your budget that you like to hop around and you're not going to get the best price, but you are going to get, let's say, the monthly price. So you're paying 30 instead of 20 per month, but you're only staying there for one month. So it's 30 bucks. But you do need to consider that you're $10 higher than you would be otherwise potentially, right? Also, if you go into something which is disposable, you might go really fast into it. That's kind of the nature of what I've just been talking about. You still should do a little bit of research into it because you might say, that's it. I'm going into Typo 3. Typo 3 is a enterprise grade CMS. I believe it is open source. We've used it here and there for a site or two. It is a pretty steep learning curve. I don't mind it for an enterprise CMS. As far as that thing goes, I think it's pretty good uh, with my limited exposure to it. But uh, you are not going to be able to dispose, like be easy to just like go in there and then throw it away. I think you're going to get in there. You're going to get stuck and then you're going to leave and you just wasted all that time and money trying to move into it. So you do need to keep your budget in mind. You do need to keep the complexity in mind. And you do need to do a little bit of research, even if you are more into the disposable tech side of things. 
yeah, it's it's tough. Like all, all these things kind of come together um, and and make it a little bit difficult nowadays, especially to choose something that will be that will have longevity. And I think these companies are doing that on purpose. Um, a lot of them will price you out in a longevity way. A lot of them have free tiers to kind of welcome you in. And I caution with that. Like if, if your goal is to host on a free tier on like Vercel or Netlify or whatever has free tiers right now, right? And you want that site to last for five to 10 years, I would highly caution you to take into account the monthly cost that will come eventually when they drop the free tier. And I say when because it's just not feasible knowing how much servers cost, knowing how much this infrastructure is costing them to maintain that they will have a free tier forever. And I'm not saying this as a, as a negative towards Netlify or Vercel. I want to be clear on that. I think it's just part of their marketing strategy and is part of the reality of creating a business like this. Like you grow as quickly as possible by providing developers with the best experience and at a free tier that that is generous enough to have them start up with it but the idea is is that you eventually you know hope that they have enough integrations to you and are relying on you enough that you can now you know charge the free tier per, like drop the free tier and then that will dramatically decrease your costs as a corporation because again, these things cost tons of money. So again, when you're choosing a service for hosting, hosting is just one thing, but regardless, if you're choosing a hosting service, one of the properties you need to think about is like, how much am I willing to pay for this over an extended amount of time? Now you can have a, a digital ocean droplet that's $5 a month, right? That'll be like a, a little server, like an on-demand server. That thing will run forever. Like I don't see digital ocean going out of business, right? That's not happening anytime soon. They have a very solid business model. That is a reasonable amount that you can consider paying if you have some sort of small web app that you need to host. Or you can have something like a shared hosting plan for, for from a large shared hosting provider that's been around for already like 10, 20 years. Those kinds of things you can be fairly easy to predict how much they're going to cost down the line. They might increase costs. I'm not saying they won't, but it's probably not going to be a dramatic amount. So I think you need to take costs into consideration. A lot of times you can't rely on a free thing to be free forever. Just It's just not reasonable. So it's going to cost you if you want to run something for 10 years, for instance, at some point down the line, it's probably going to cost you some money. Um, and again, with any other piece of technology that you're picking, if you're picking a framework, like Matt mentioned, choosing frameworks and choosing the right tools for the job and stuff like that, when you're choosing those frameworks, it's okay to pick a little something a little bit at cutting edge sometimes if you know that this is something that you probably don't need to maintain for three to four years, right? You probably don't need to rely on corporate infrastructure on top of it and stuff like that. Like it, it's okay to go a little bit risky as long as longevity is not the number one goal. And I don't think honestly, like just, just to kind of go back to the main part of this episode, I honestly don't think longevity of what you're building right now is the number one goal for most companies. Like not many companies are like, I'm building this website now and I'm not touching it for 10 years. That's not a reasonable thing that will have a return on investment or will have any sort of benefit to you down the line because something's going to change in 10 years. You're going to need to update your text on the website. Like that's the minimal. That's the minimum that you're going to need to update, like your about page, whatever. But realistically, like the designs change, like Matt said, design systems change. Do you want to be seen as a 10-year-old company? No. So you're going to have to update. So at the end of the day, a three-year lifespan, a four-year lifespan for a site is much more reasonable. Yearly updates, depending on the corporate, what kind of company you have is also reasonable. It's, it's important to take those into account in this longevity conversation and not try to pick something just because of longevity if you don't need it. Does that make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense in the, in the conceptual in, and in the startup phase as well. Um, and, and other, other things as well though, is because like, if, if like, for example, like Mike, Mike, and, like you and I, if we were like, we're going to spin up portfolio sites, that's another context out of the startup phase. Like my portfolio site does not need to be the, the most like, absolute 
foundational piece of technology running on like a Windows 95 mainframe, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. if I go on to Webflow Plus, this is made up. If I go on to Webflow Plus and then Webflow Plus implodes three months later, the only thing I'm losing is my portfolio website. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, I tried it. I liked the features. It didn't do well commercially. It died in this made up scenario. So it's like, okay. Do you know what I mean? Where like, so like it makes sense. Like there is like a speed, I guess, to the industry. And that, that is a part of that push and pull where you don't want to get bogged down in those big meetings, especially if there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of the administration and stuff are talking where it's like, they're all like, well, like let's have a longevity. Well, no, let's not do that. Well, how much is this? And how much is that? Like, like there does come a point when you're like, okay, we have to pull the trigger here. We have to go forward, build this out and hopefully we did it right. Exactly. I I just, I I don't see it being like the, the most critical thing for most projects, unless you're talking like, you know, something that needs a 100,000% uptime. That's exactly it. Like you and I have had a conversation where like, uh, you know, a client will complain and be like, oh my God, like I was down for three hours. And like, what does that look like? And I'm like, no one's going to say anything. Like, what do you, like, you, this is a personal blog. <laughs> what? Like maybe, maybe a hundred people saw it. If that, if you're like a, a popular personal blog and then we fixed it and it came back up and that's it. You know, like, and you could say, oh, you know, you're bad web developers and blah, blah, blah. It's like, cause, cause your site went down. It's like, first of all, usually it's due to the host. Second of all, this person isn't paying us for maintenance. We just do some work for them and they called us, you know? And it comes down to that point where it's just like, I mean, AWS goes down, <laughs> you know, Google's gone down, YouTube's gone down, stuff like that. And so there, there is, there is no way to mitigate or remove all your risk. There's just no way. But that's it. I think that's the show. Unless you have anything else to add, let's run the old conclusion then. But before we do that, remember we are on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. So check out the tiers and give that a go. We also have a Scrimba affiliate link if you want to get a discount on some Scrimba courses. Scrimba teaches you coding from a variety of different instructors with an interactive code editor media player is what I'm calling it. You can stop the lesson, pause it. As the teacher is talking and go, hang on, I don't understand how this variable works. Let me play with it a bit to see if I can break the variable or see what's up or whatever. You can rewind, fast forward, of course, and all that, all that fantastic stuff. Go check that out. Link will be in the show description if your podcast app supports that, or it will also be on HTML, all the things.com in the show notes. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Tim from the web hacker on the webhacker.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeffrey Hale, Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com, Gunner Burnett via gunnerburnett.com, Watoto Coding via watotocoding.com, Garrett Segal, Level Up Financial Planning via www.levelupfinancialplanning.com. And we'd also like to give a shout out to Michael LaRocca, a contributing author on HTML, all the things.com. Michael is the author of Self Taught, the X Generation blog at selftaughttxg.com. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.